Good morning, church family. Good morning. If you have your Bible, turn in those to John chapter 12. That's where we will be this morning for our scripture reading. Uh, it's great to be here with you all. I always uh, consider it a privilege to unpack the scripture with my church family. But today, uh, we're reading John chapter 12, verses 35 through 50. And today is a really important day. Today, we turn the page, so to speak. Today, we close out Jesus' public ministry to the nation of Israel. Because next week in John chapter 13, he has a ministry and message specifically to his disciples in the upper room. And today, we begin in verse 35. I'm reading the New American Standard Version, 1995. Says this, verse 35. So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that result you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so great and so many of signs before them, yet they were not believing in him for this was to fulfill the word of isaiah the prophet which he spoke lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed for this reason they could not believe for isaiah said again he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and i heal them verse 41 these things isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him nevertheless many of the rulers believed in him but notice this next part because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory, quite literally, the glory of men rather than the glory from God. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in whom who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I've come as the light of the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in the darkness of sin. If anyone hears my saying and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the world to judge, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what I will judge him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Today I really uh, want to talk to you about being a mirror. The title of my sermon this morning is Reflecting the Light. 
reflecting the light. But there is something, there is a temptation that we all face that causes us to want to hide our faith under a bushel. The light is truth, its source. The flame of light is God, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. They are the essence of truth, revealed in the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path called His Word, and we are His light bearers. And we stand on the path provided by the Spirit with the light of God's Word, purpose to walk its path, and to reflect the gospel into the darkness of the world as we walk through the woods of life. We are purposed to reflect the light of truth, But what brings us fear? What is the temptation we face when we take the light outside of our homes and outside of these walls? Before we dive in too deep, I would like to kind of quickly set the stage for our discussion by remembering the context of John chapter 12. We've been in the book for about a year now, and so far the reviews are out in the Gospel of John, and so far the reviews are a bit mixed. Reviews from the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, are mixed because some believe in Jesus and some reject Him as the Christ, the Son of God, and believing they do not believe, although they may have life in His name. They have seen miracles of Jesus, but many of them continue to reject. And I find it amazing. I find it amazing that people can live in the first century in the nation of Israel. They could see the seven miracles of Jesus. They could hear the I Am statements. They can hear... (laughs) God the Father's voice come down from heaven to speak and to affirm His Son and still they reject Jesus as their Christ. Two weeks ago we saw the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem on a foal of a donkey. And we saw in that story the convergence of three different theological truths, that Jesus is the Messiah Prince, echoed out of Daniel chapter 9, that He is the Passover Lamb, seen in Exodus chapter 12. He is setting Himself aside on the tenth day of Nisan, and we saw that Jesus is the King, echoed out of Zechariah 9 verse 9. And our King, their King and our King demands to be worshipped. Worshipping our King requires us to place the crown on his head in our lives and to worship him with pure motives. Our king demands to be worshipped and to be followed. We saw last week, for the fifth time, Jesus claims to be the Son of Man, echoing the horn of Daniel chapter 7. And what does it say in Daniel chapter 7 regarding the Son of Man? That he is the king over an everlasting dominion in which all these will bow and worship him. Yet they still reject Him. Following our King, who is the Son of Man, requires us to deny ourselves, to surrender to our will, and to follow Him, how? By believing and walking in the light of truth. And this is kind of where we pick up today, on kind of the tail end of last week's passage, and also closing out chapter 12. And today, we see their reaction You know, Jesus shares the gospel in John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. He shares the gospel with the nation of Israel. And we see their reaction to the truth. But I want to go more than just seeing their surface level reaction. I want to go deep down into their mind. I was about to say psyche, but we could go there. But into their mind to see really why they struggle to shine and reflect the light of truth. 
Because today we see a temptation that they face, that we each here face today when we go outside of these walls. Can I just speak? You know, it's easy to be a Christian in church. It's easy to be a Christian in the home, or <laughs> maybe not so much. Okay, that's our bottom of our week, probably. They see all of our warts, amen, our families. Okay, I got a couple of nods. Maybe it's the hardest to be a Christian in our home, but moving <laughs> I got a couple of nods in the back. But it's easy to be a Christian in the walls. But it's difficult to shine it in the midst of the darkness. Because what is a temptation we all face every time we take the flame of truth outside of these walls? There is a great temptation in our lives that we face every time we step outside of the church. What is the great temptation of your life? If someone were to walk up to you and ask you that question, what is the greatest temptation of your life? What would you answer that question? Some of you probably would say to buzz off, right? Okay, I don't want to, none of your business. Some of us would say greed, keeping up with the Joneses. Some would say with lust and stress and fear. Some would say the greatest temptation is anger and or temper. But there's a temptation that we don't really see oftentimes in our life that affects every area of our life, especially as God's light bears to the darkness of the world. A couple of years ago, a lady came up to me on Sunday morning to seek my counsel. She asked me, she asked me, she said, Byron, you know, my daughter, who was raised in the church, she knows the gospel, but my daughter has turned into a militant atheist. And she told me that she would not allow me into her home if I would ever speak of the name of Christ. That if I ever spoke the name of Christ, that that would be the last day that she would let me see my grandchildren. And then she asked me the question, what do I do? Um, To be honest, I'm not really sure how I responded. It probably wasn't really a good answer. (laughs) So I'm sure it it really wasn't a good one. But sometime later, I was listening to a Q&A by a pastor named John MacArthur. And there was a lady in his church that asked the exact same question this lady's situation for John it was identical that she had a daughter who would not allow her to see her own grandchildren if she ever brought up the name of Christ. And John said something that I will never forget. He said that if you are a Christian, the name of Christ goes with you everywhere. If you are a Christian, that you cannot hide the light out of fear for men John was right, that if we are a Christian, we, what does it say last week in verse 35, that we are sons of light, that we are part of the family of God, that we are walking in the truth, that we cannot hide our faith in the temptation that we all face. It's the same temptation that that lady asked me, it's the same temptation that was asked to John MacArthur, and it's the same temptation we face every time we walk out of these walls. And the temptation that we face is the same one that they faced in the first century. In fact, it is the same temptation that they face in, the, in our passage today. That they are believers in Jesus Christ, but when they walk out, when they walk into the synagogue, there's one temptation that cripples them from shining the light of God's gospel. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 12, and today we will go from verse 35 through 50. 
And kind of last week, we kind of, I'm kind of saddling the two passages this morning. But last week, we kind of talked about the light. Now, what do I mean by light? It's the Greek word phos, where we get the word photon. Uh, but it's the word light. Now, just for the sake of simplicity, uh, kind of when we hear the word light in the Gospel of John, I want you to think light equals truth. Light equals truth. That Jesus is the light of the world. He's the truth of the world, the solution to sin. That you are sons of light, sons of truth. And the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is truth. James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, the Father of truth. Everything to do with God is truth. And the word that he has proclaimed to us is truth. And we should walk in it. So if you have your Bible... Just kind of briefly look at it with me. Just kind of do this kind of number, okay? And just look at the text. Because I want to kind of quickly outline it for you in your notes. It should be in the, in the slides, kind of in my outline here this morning. But I see four parts, not three parts, like most preachers do. Um, it's, not, it's four parts. You have verses 35 and 36, Jesus shares the light. And then part two is people reject the light in verses 37 through 41. And then you have verses 42 through 43 that people receive but do not reflect the light. And then you have part four that Jesus explains the light in verses 44 through 50. So that's kind of our outline this morning. So notice how Jesus shares the light. Verse 35. So Jesus said to them, for a little while longer... The light is among you. Walk while you have the light. The darkness will not overtake you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become become sons of the light. So as we saw last week, I'm not going to really unpack this too much this morning. We talked about it a lot last week. But following our king requires us to deny ourselves and to walk and to believe in the light of truth. One of the things I love about this church is that we want to know truth. The pressure I feel every Sunday morning to be correct is a healthy and holy pressure from you all because you want to know the truth of God's word and that is what we see, that we as followers and sons of the light must believe and walk Close and near to the light, which is the truth of God. And then notice how the people react. This is part two, verse 36 again. For these things Jesus spoke and went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. So what happens? From these verses alone, we hear, we see that some of the nation of Israel reject the light. Now, the original language in verse 37, if you were to actually look at the Koine Greek verse behind here, verse 37 almost uh, seems to be like a satire of the nation of Israel, because this is what it says. I did the Byron translation of the Greek New Testament of this verse. It says this, it says, but despite his great. Now, that word great in the original language is in the position of emphasis. It's in the very first It's the very first word in that sentence. But despite his great and many miracles done before them, they kept on not believing. That word believing is the Greek word pustuo. And the tense behind it is the imperfect tense. Now, what does the imperfect tense do? The imperfect tense is a continuing action in the past. So what is it saying? They kept on not believing. So despite all of the miracles that Jesus has done, despite his testimony, despite proving 
that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and they may have life believing in his name, despite all of the evidence shown before them, they kept on not believing in who he was. And they had a choice. Friends, whenever you hear the truth, you have a choice to make. Even as a Christian, we have a choice to make. We can either follow and apply, be doers of the word. But even as a non-believer, every time you hear the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ is my Savior and he died, if I believe in him, I shall be saved. Every time we hear the gospel, we are faced with a choice. Putting it off is rejecting it. That it means we keep on not believing it. But here, the nation of Israel, they choose not to believe. But then something kind of different happens. Notice verse 38. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal him. For these things Isaiah said, because he saw his glory and spoke of them. What do you notice about those verses? You notice verse 38, and then again in verse 40, you notice that they look a little bit different. Now every time you see, I mention this almost every time I see it, if you ever see a verse that is in all capital letters, what does that tell you? It tells you that John, the author, is taking an Old Testament verse and he is pulling it into a New Testament context. Verse 38 comes from Isaiah 53, verse 1. Notice that again. It says, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the Lord, arm of the Lord been revealed? Why do they not believe? They believe out of their own free will, but also to fulfill Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. I find it amazing that God foresaw, Jesus' ministry foresaw 500 years in the future, and he knew that the nation of Israel, that the partial hardening of the nation of Israel, that some would not believe that their unbelief fits within his plan and within his sovereignty. What I see in Isaiah 53 is the sovereignty and the knowledge of God, that he is all-knowing, and praise the Lord for it. That he knows everything. He foresaw their rejection. But then notice, so they reject first. But then notice verse 39 and 40 again. For this reason, notice the word for. If you ever see the word F-O-R, it's usually the Greek, Greek junction gar, which signals an explanation of the former. For this reason... They could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of them. They chose to reject the gospel, and then what happens? It says, He hardened and blinded their eyes. Who's he? Who is the pronoun he? Because in verse 38 comes from Isaiah 53 verse 1, but, in I, but verse 40 comes from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10. If you were to look in the context of Isaiah 6, that you would see the he is God. So they first rejected the message of the gospel, and then it says, He hardened and blinded them, hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. 
So they rejected, and then God healed them, or excuse me, God hardened them. And this echoes Romans chapter 9, verse 18, that there is a partial hardening over the nation of Israel, that the message of the gospel will go out beyond the Jews into the Gentiles. But there is a partial hardening, because some people clearly believe. And we saw that in verse 37 and verse 42. But I, I want to pause for just a second. I just want to kind of talk about the first temptation that we face when we shine the light of the gospel outside of these walls. You know, um, this one kind of hits a little close to home, what I'm about to share. What I see here in, in John chapter 12, verses 38 through 40, is I see the sovereignty of God and man's own free will, that there is both free will and predestination. Okay, just uh, We'll talk about how that works later on. But I see that their choice, and there's a first temptation, that when we shine the message of the gospel, when we take the light out to the community, there is the, 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 the struggle that we have is that when people reject the gospel, we feel the pressure that it's all up to us. That, you know, if, some, if, if we take, stir up the courage to present the gospel, and then that person walks away from Jesus, there's somehow some pressure that we feel that we let ourselves down, that we let God down. I, I, this is why it hits close to home. On Sunday morning, I present the gospel every Sunday morning. And when there is no Sunday morning, when people come forward, I think to myself, what could I have said differently? What could I have done differently to convert people's hearts to believe? What I see here is that it's not my responsibility to convert people. We are not salesmen for the gospel. I think there's a little bit of misconception that we have that we're not salesmen. We are lights. We are reflectors of truth. It is up to them to reject and up to God's sovereignty over it. If you have kids that have chosen to walk away from the Lord... I would encourage you to not beat yourself up about it because it is up to them to receive it and to believe in it. Our job is not results. I mean, think about this. By Billy Graham's standards, <laughs> okay, Jesus was a terrible evangelist. How dare I? Think about it. He witnessed to thousands. He poured into 12 disciples and one person remained after his ministry. But because of his death, much fruit was bore. But notice the third part to your text. We see people, some people reject, but then notice the people that receive it. Notice what they do and the temptation that they face. Verse 42. Nevertheless, notice that word, nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him. We do not know which ruler specifically. We don't know if the author, John, is referring to Nicodemus and Joseph or Arimathea. But we just hear that many of the rulers believed in him. But notice this next part. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Jesus for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Notice this next word, for, explains why they were afraid to be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. What is the second and greater temptation that we face as we take the light outside of this wall? For they love the glory of men over the glory of God. The greatest temptation that we face as Christians when we take the light to the end of the world is 
caring what people think. Caring what people think. I would imagine if you're a sincere Christian here this morning, if you reflect the light of Christ through three things, your lingo, your love, and with your life, if you are a sincere Christian and you reflect it in those three ways, that you have faced at one time or another the fear that grips you right before you communicate the gospel. Can anybody relate to this? Can I get a head nod in the room? That there is a fear that we have that right before we present Jesus the Christ in the gospel, there is a fear that what if they reject? What if this changes my relationship with them? What if they think differently of me? We care so much what people think of us. And that is the same struggle they have here. For they care about the approval of men more than the approval of God. Why? Because they were going to be put out of the synagogue if they confessed Jesus as their ruler, as their king. Because in the position of, position of the synagogue, that is where they found their importance. So they feared the consequences and The greatest temptation that we face, taking the lights to the darkness of the world, is caring what people think. I mean, think about that idea. Caring what people think determines what clothes we wear, how we comb our hair. I mean, there's a reason why I wear a t-shirt and shorts at home and not on Sunday morning church, okay? So I'm confessing right now, okay? Caring what people think determines what car we drive, the phone we have, the job we have. Caring what people think causes us anxiety. How many of you have ever, at the end of the day, looked back on your day and wondered if that person took your joke well? The caring what other people think so much affects our spiritual life, our prayer life, how we understand Scripture, and how we live out that Scripture to the darkness of the world. What will they think about me? Will that change my relationship at my job? Will it change if I could see my grandchildren again? Will it change my relationship with my spouse? What will it change in my relationship with human beings? Friends, if you are a sincere light bearer, if you are sons of light, and you're reflecting the light with your life, with your love, and with your lingo, with your words, then we cannot hide the light that Christ has given us. We can't hide our light under a bushel. But we must put it on a lampstand for the world to see, irregardless of the consequences that come. The temptation that they face is caring what people think of them. They're afraid of being kicked out of the synagogues for they loved the glory, quite literally, from men rather than the glory from God. If you have your notes, what do we do with the light of Christ? We reflect the light of Christ through our life, our love, and our lingo. Life, Matthew 5.16, love, John 13.35, and lingo, Romans chapter 10. With, reflect the light of Christ through our life, love, and lingo without faulting ourselves and without fearing others. But then notice the final part of our text. It's kind of a couple of different things that are going on here. Uh, verses 44 through 50, I think there's two different things going on. That number one in this, in this section, this passage that John is uh, summarizing the message and ministry of Jesus one last time. And then also, this kind of closes out the book, the, the public ministry of Jesus. Because here on out, Jesus is crucified, but he also specifically speaks to his disciples. And notice these verses, verse 44. This is a summation of truth that we have seen in the Gospel of John. 
And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as the light and the truth and the solution to sin into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness of the world and its sin and its chains. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Now, if you notice in your text, there are four basic ingredients to this section. Now, as I've publicly professed many, many times, the Gospel of John is not a preacher's friend because he repeats himself over and over and over and over again. So here he repeats himself. We've heard all of this many, many times so far in the first 12 chapters of this book. And if you notice here that the Gospel is, this is the Gospel. He explains his message in one big nutshell to the nation of Israel one last time publicly. And it is four parts. Verse 44, that Jesus was sent by the Father. Verse 46, that Jesus is the light and the truth of the world. That he is the solution to sin. That he has come in to pierce the darkness of sin that has decayed and crippled the world. That has brought to us death. He has come to give us life. Both earthly life and eternal life. Number three, part three, is that in verse 46, that if we accept Jesus, that we believe in him, that we will have salvation. And then part number four is in verse 48, that rejecting Jesus results in judgment. And that's it. That's the public ministry of Jesus. We see him obviously publicly crucified. He is raised again from the dead. But that is kind of his last complete message to the nation of Israel before he turns his attention to the upper room with his 12 disciples the night before he dies. What do we do with the light of Christ? You here today, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are his light bearer. You are changed. You are forever his. You are a child and sons of light. What do we do with foes? What do we do with the light of God we reflect it. We're not the source of it. We're not the source of truth. That's God and His Word. But we sheer reflect it. We reflect it to the darkness of the world by our life, our love, and our lingo without fear of other people's opinions and without faulting ourselves when they reject the gospel message. But for whatever time I have left, I just kind of wanted to speak to the heart's of people listening, those online and those here this morning, um, after a year or so of seeing Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John, I just have three questions for each of us here this morning. And it's three questions that really summarize the ministry of Jesus and that really summarize what we should be doing. For my application, is question number one is this. Who is someone in your life that is far from God? Who is someone in your life that is far from God? One of the mission measures, when what's that? What is that? 
A mission measure is how we measure if we are completing our mission as a church, if we are making disciples. And one of the measures that we have if we are truly shaping lives is this exact question that who are we getting to know that may be far from God? That we each as disciples, as followers of Christ Jesus, as light bearers to the world, we each should have people in our life that we are getting to know, that we are building relationship with so that we can disciple them and bring them the light of the gospel. So that is my question with us here this morning. Who is someone that we're getting to know that may be far from God? Question number two is this. What is the best way for you to reflect the light of Christ to them? What is the best way for you to reflect the light of Christ to them? And there's three ways. I've mentioned them already. That your life, your deeds, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, your love, John 13, 35, by all this, all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And Romans chapter 10, with our words, with our lingo. Let me just, I'm going to challenge you. This is something that I'm doing about, about 25 fingers pointing it back at me. So, okay. So this is, this is conviction time for Byron Bradshaw right before you all. If there's someone in your life that you've, building, you've been building a relationship with, maybe you're trying to show the gospel with your life and with your love, but you've never taken that next step of sharing the message of the gospel, I would encourage you to take that step. Because how can they believe without a preacher? How can they hear without us going, presenting the gospel to them? Who is someone in your life that is far from the Lord? And then question number three is this. What is the greater temptation for you in your relationship with them? What is the greatest temptation for you? Fearing that they will reject the gospel and feeling a a sense of fault or fearing that when you present the gospel to them that it will change your relationship with them. Friends, we are possessors of the light. We have his word Christ has changed us, has shaped us, has given us eternal life. But let us not take the light of the gospel and let us just leave it here on the front pew because it's easy to be a Christian on Sunday morning. But it's difficult to be a Christian out in the world. Christ has given us a purpose and a calling to take the scripture and the light of his word to the ends of the earth. Let us not be fearful to take the gospel to the cubicle next to us. Let us not be fearful to take the gospel to the grocery stores or to our children's homes or to our works. Let us not be fearful to take the gospel to our neighbor. We are God's light bearers. We have a job to do. We have a purpose to serve. And it's amazing that the sovereign God of the universe has given me a knucklehead, a sinner, a purpose To go and not to be fearful. Let us go, shining and reflecting the light of truth with our light, with our life, with our lingo, and with our love, not fearing the opinions of other people and faulting ourselves when they reject. Just be the light. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. uh, Lord, if there are people here this morning that do not know you as Savior, that do, have never possessed or never uh, believed and accepted the light this morning, I pray that they would believe, that they would trust in you. And Lord, this morning as we have prayer partners up front, if there's somebody that just needs prayer, Lord, I pray that they would seek out the opportunity to 
see Harold and Pat that are going to be up on the front pews. Lord, I pray that the conviction of your spirit would convict those of us here today that have never believed to believe in your son. And Lord, I just thank you for, the, for this church. Um, I thank you for the re- awesome responsibility that it is to proclaim truth. Lord, I pray that we would proclaim it and that we would bring it and that we would be it to the world. Thank you for my friends. Uh, thank you for my church family that I love. I love each of these. Thank you for bringing them here. And I lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen.